What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to the Geno Time Podcast here on the Blue Wire Podcast Network. We are brought to you by Bet Online. I'm Tom Westrom. I'm joined by Chris Grenham and Nicole Yang. And um, we're going to spend the next hour really breaking down Celtics versus Knicks. Uh, the Celtics lost uh, to the New York Knicks. I don't remember what the final score was. I don't care. Uh, anybody want to say anything about the uh, the last game of the regular season, Celtics Knicks? I had so much fun because, <laughs> as a known Tremont Waters supporter, I had a blast, and he limited his turnovers, and it was it was a nice season finale. So yeah, I had a great time this Sunday. It was it was it was fun. No matter what iteration of the Celtics we get, whether it's all reserves and two-way players, they're still going to fall behind by 20, mount a comeback, and then have <laughs> it come down to the wire. Like, this is who they are. It's just that when it's the reserves, it's like, oh, they tried so hard, as opposed to like, why are you all bums? It's <laughs> much more heartwarming in this format. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. I mean, it was funny. Like, I mean, it's, it, yeah, you're right. It, like, all season, we've seen like these encouraging flashes from players that just have not amounted to the Celtics being a good basketball team. Like, all season, we've been like, yo, Jalen Brown is nice. He's got all this new stuff to his game. Like, he's killing everyone. This is crazy. Whoa, Jason Tatum looks like a future like super duper star like he's got like mvp potential down the line rob williams is going to be a starting center in this league and none of it has amounted to wins and like uh you know sunday's game was very similar it was like oh romeo langford like got to the rim like scored pretty efficiently played some good defense luke Cornette was out here just like swatting shots like taco fall was swatting some stuff like nobody wanted to attack those guys tremont waters played great like you know grant had a couple of nice moments and of course the Celtics still lost so yeah it was like it really was just a picture perfect uh microcosm of the Celtics season uh, obviously the Celtics didn't play anybody in that game because they were locked into the seventh seed. The Celtics now are going to face the Washington Wizards, who uh, one of us on this podcast is very familiar with. The Wizards rallied to beat the Hornets on Sunday afternoon as well. I mean, Grenham, let's get a little Wizards preview for, from you here. Uh, what, do you, uh, what, do you, what do you think Celtics fans should be expecting? A whole lot of offense, zero defense. The classic Wizards mantra they went full Celtics formula against Charlotte on Sunday. They were down, I think, 16 or 17 in the first quarter. It was super ugly. I had the game on my laptop during the Celtics game, and it was – I basically came to terms with the fact that they were going to end up playing the Pacers and have to maybe face the Celtics or the Hornets after that. But, yeah, I mean, it really comes down to how healthy Bradley Beal is because he didn't look 100% by any means against the Hornets. Yeah, he started clicking in the second half. But if you can kind of key in on Russell Westbrook and not have to worry about, I don't know, a 60% healthy Bradley Beal or something, that really changes the game. If Bradley Beal is closer to 100%, closer to 90%, whatever, the Wizards are a really tough team to match up with. Like, they really do score the ball quite well. I mean, they've had a really weird year. Like, they missed two weeks because of COVID and that kind of was coming on the back of a really, really ugly start to begin with. So from the jump, it was just like a really depressing season. And then they really hit their stride post all-star break and have been really good since then. Honestly, like, I'm not just saying that biasly, like they have been good teams do score a lot of points on them, but if you get in a shootout with the wizards, they're tough to beat. The Celtics are going to have to score a lot of points. If they have a bad shooting night, they're in trouble. And we've seen a lot of bad shooting nights from this team. So I don't know. I think the wizards are actually a pretty tough opponent for the Celtics. On paper, even without Jalen Brown, like the Celtics should beat the Wizards, especially given like Bradley Beal's status right now with his hamstring. Like there's no question that they should win on Tuesday. However, it depends what type of energy we get. Like if they fall behind by like 20 in the first half, they're going to need to score a lot of points to like keep up and like make up for that deficit. And 
Like this is a game where the urgency like could not be higher. They can just clinch their spot in the playoffs. But at the same time, the urgency isn't that high because they're not eliminated if they lose. So (laughs) I'm not going to go into like assessing how the Celtics evaluate their urgency because clearly that has not proven to mean anything throughout the regular season. But I, I could see why they wouldn't come out necessarily like entirely motivated because of what we've seen. That being said, Kemba Walker has been resting for a good deal. And even when he had that little like hip injury, I remember he said like, that was great to rest. Like I feel so rejuvenated. So like that probably will work out well for him. Don't know about Robert Williams's availability, but like Jason Tatum just rested, like Marcus Smart has been resting. So you would think that this would translate to a good performance, but like the Celtics just are so unpredictable this year. You really don't know. That is the reason that I feel pretty confident about the Celtics in this game is that and then and then Beal's hamstring injury. Like if you go back, I, I did the math and then realized that I could have just done it on NBA stats. But um, Bradley Beal versus the Celtics this season is averaging 40.7 points per game. <laughs> Nicole did a literal spit take. <laughs> she was drinking water. I want the record to show that Nicole just did a literal spit take. Um, that was awesome. <laughs> Bradley Beal is averaging 40.7 points against the Celtics this season. I mean, tells you most of what you need to know about Bradley Beal, the Celtics defense, everything else. That Bradley Beal scored so much that Nicole did a spit take. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, like a hamstring injury is really serious. Like, I mean, you know, like and his isn't bad or anything, but a hamstring injury really limits you. He didn't, you were right. You're right, Grant. I mean, he would look like he was dragging that leg around that first yeah. half, especially he finished, I think, with like 25 points on like 27 shots or something like that. Like he was not efficient. If Bradley Beal scores 25 points on 27 shots against the Celtics, they're going to win comfortably. They won two of three games against them, against him when he averaged 40.7 points. Like there is always the possibility that the Celtics get into a shootout with the Wizards and that they lose it. I think, Nicole, to your point, if the Celtics get down by 20, I think they're losing the game because it is tough to catch up against a team like the Wizards that can score so much. And to Grenham's point, I was looking up some stats earlier. The Wizards have been so good over the last, like, I think it was like over the last 20 games, they have a net rating of like plus seven. Um, Like they've been like a contender level good over the last like 20 games. So they're like a pretty decent basketball team. But I do think like if Bradley Beal isn't healthy, the Celtics are just going to have too much for them. You know, Russell Westbrook has been playing out of his mind, but he hasn't been particularly good against the Celtics. The Celtics do seem to be able to kind of pack the paint against him and force shots that he's not very good at. They can turn him inefficient. So if Bradley Beal is inefficient, I think I feel very confident that the Celtics can take this one like somewhat comfortably. Now, if he's healthy, if he battles through, you know, then it's a whole different ball game and things could go a number of different ways. But that's why I would I would feel fairly comfortable picking the Celtics at this stage. I agree with Nicole's point of like, yeah, the Celtics are a better team here. The thing that worries me if I'm a Celtics fan or if I'm the Celtics is just where these two teams have been trending. It's hard to really gauge that appropriately with the Celtics because a couple of their last last few games, they didn't play anyone really. And they had some serious injuries that there was a lot of like external factors. I feel like going on kind of late in the season here and the wizards have just been surging. Russell Westbrook has been surging. Tom, you tweeted out this stat line. In his last nine games, Russell Westbrook is averaging 26.3 points, 13.8 rebounds, and 16.1 assists. As a Wizards fan, I get so annoyed at the consistent repetition of like triple-double stats from Russell Westbrook because half the time it's like, another triple-double, but the Wizards lost by 12. Another triple-double, but the Wizards lost. Now they're winning. 
And like that stat line over his last nine games, that is ridiculous. And so you're right. If they get down by 20 against a team with a guy doing that, it's going to be really hard to crawl back in. I'm also curious to see if Robert Williams plays what his availability looks like because Daniel Gafford has been really good for the Wizards lately. And I'm not like a lot of times I'll start yelling about Daniel Gafford kind of, you know, satirically, but actually he's been very, very good. If Scott Brooks wants to play him over 16 minutes, he's been very, very good, but he could be a little bit of a difference maker too, because he's been pretty solid. I think his net rating with the Wizards is like, close to eight or something like he's been very good so there's a little part of me that thinks the wizards have a pretty solid shot in this game just because of the current trends and i know sometimes some teams can really flip that switch come playoff time i don't think the celtics are that team i just think that's another element to take a look at here why does scott brooks keep starting alex len (laughs) That's a great question. Why is Alex Len under contract with the Washington Wizards? That's a great question. I'm not quite sure. Scott Brooks is, in all seriousness, Scott Brooks's rotations are the most frustrating part of his coaching strategy or lack thereof. It's really, really bizarre. Daniel Gafford has been terrific. So I don't know why Alex Len starts and plays six minutes a game. I don't get it. Who should be starting? Like, for the, like, are you like a big? No, I would Gafford. have, I would. Oh, you if, want if Gafford he, in I want Gafford, but if he wants Gafford, to, Gafford's been good with, with the secondary units yeah, yeah, with yeah. the Wizards. So, like, I like him coming off the bench, just playing some heavier minutes. There's no reason why they shouldn't start Robin Lopez. Like, it's not like Alex Len is playing heavy minutes with the starting unit. I'm pretty sure today he played like, again, like seven minutes or five minutes. He played five minutes and had one rebound and scored zero points. Right. Like, what are we doing here, Scott? Come on. Like, (laughs) what are we doing? So, and Gafford and and Robin Lopez, they've been pretty solid. Like throughout this stretch, they've been pretty good. So that's always a curious thing. I guess somewhat harmless if he's playing five minutes, I guess it doesn't really matter. But if you're the Wizards, from the Wizards perspective, you want to jump all over the Celtics because that's what teams, like you've seen the Hornets do that. Like punch them in the mouth early. That's what, that's a, good effective strategy that opponents have taken so you gotta i don't know davis bertans is like kind of a one-trick pony here with just his three-point shot not that his season has really lived up to his contract either but do you see him being able to like the celtics have struggled with opposing teams three-point shooting like do you see his game being in line with something that could give them trouble yeah totally i mean he's pretty hit or miss he's really streaky In the last few weeks, though, I'm looking at his game log right now. Like, it's kind of been mid-teens. Like, he hasn't had a blow-up game or really any eggs lane (laughs) or laid any eggs, I should say. That was weird. That was amazing phrasing. (laughs) Eggs lane. But if if he's on the court enough, they really got to target him on defense because he moves laterally. Like, he's horrible moving laterally on the perimeter. So they could target him defensively. I don't think he's a guy that could really blow him up just because Bradley Beal and Russell Westbrook take a lot of the volume away from him. So it doesn't really give him the opportunity opportunity to really steal the show shooting wise if the Celtics can somehow find a way to lock up both Bradley Beal and Russell Westbrook while he's on the court that'll open some things up but in terms of shot volume he just doesn't get what he got on last year's team I mean the real answer here like the real person who is uh who's gonna give the Celtics just absolute hell is Ish Smith because Ish Smith gives the Celtics hell every single time he plays them so watch out for the Ish Smith revenge game I mean, tell me that wouldn't be pretty on brand for like, you get a playing game and the guy who kills the Celtics and pushes them into an elimination game is Ish Smith.
Smith of all people. Like he's done in the past. He, he loves playing against the Celtics. Yeah. For the Celtics to face a Wizards team with Bradley Beal, Hurts, and, you know, like, uh, like Russell Westbrook, like mostly contained for them to lose to that team would be very on brand. Like that, that sounds, yeah, no, I mean, you could talk me into any kind of, any number of like narrative reasons why I think the Celtics might lose this game. I mean, I don't know. Like I'm, I'm scared to bet on this team. I'm scared to also bet against this team because like nothing makes sense with them ever. So like, let's say the Celtics lose this one. One, the panic level around Boston will go just absolutely through the Raptors. Do we uh, like, if they lose, they end up facing the winner of uh, Pacers and Hornets. If they, you know, obviously if they win that one, then they face the Sixers. If they beat the Wizards, they face the Nets. Obviously, none of us think that the Celtics are going to beat the Nets or the Sixers. Is there a team that you think the Celtics should rather face? No. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I mean, yeah, I don't know. (laughs) I guess the Sixers, just because I do not, like, maybe you can lean into the psychological element, but I think that's even long gone at this point. Like, the Celtics have just nosedived their season into nobody is scared of them. So I just, with Jalen Brown out, I really don't think it matters. That would be your hope, right? With Philly is the psychological edge. Maybe you, it's hard because that psychological advantage, quote unquote, is what you're relying on sort of from last year, but they didn't have Ben Simmons last year. So I'm with Nicole. It's kind of the lesser of two evils, really. You're, I, I don't see them getting past either team. It's funny because like the Sixers haven't exactly like lit the world on fire over the last few weeks themselves. Like the Nets haven't really been that good. I mean, they had a little stretch there where they almost blew their, you know, their, their second seed. You know, I, I, the Celtics don't, I mean, like, like you guys were saying, like without Jalen, I don't, I really just don't see it with the Celtics team. I mean, I thought there were some mildly encouraging signs from Tatum and Fournier in that Timberwolves game. You know, obviously that's the Timberwolves. That's not the Nets or the Sixers. Like, I think the thing I'm curious about over this playoff run is, is whether this opportunity for Tatum is just like him. It, like, this is Tatum's chance to be like, like, he's always like, he's been the guy all year. He's been the, 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 the superstar. I'm curious if this is like his chance to like, be like, okay, like Tatum, this is your chance to really flex, like be everything that you like want to be down the road, take as many shots as you want, handle the ball as much as you want. Like this is Jason Tatum's show now. Like he is the Celtics version of Giannis. Um, with Jalen, there's always this like second guy who's who's also really talented and, you know, who can take over the game for a while if need be. And maybe that gives, you know, Tatum a little bit of like security, you know, like, okay, like I don't have to be like this super duper star every night. I'm curious to see what it looks, what Jason Tatum as the, not only like the, the no questions asked best player on the team, but like the team's star, like the only like real star on this team. I'm curious to see what that looks like with some of the pieces around him, like Fournier, like, you know, a, a rejuvenated Kemba. And if, if you look at it like that, then I think it's a little bit more interesting to see the Sixers than the Nets because the Nets just have like James Harden, Kyrie Irving, and Kevin Durant. Like at least with the Sixers, the superstar is a completely different position than Tatum. So that's a long-winded way of saying that if I was the Celtics, I would probably rather uh, see the Sixers just because I'm curious to see what exclusively superstar Tatum looks like. That being said, though, when you look at the two superstars, who's going to be guarding Jason Tatum? Oh, Ben Simmons, an all-NBA defender. Who's going to be guarding Joel Embiid? Tristan Thompson? Awesome. Like, I I think your point is still an interesting one. Like, yeah, like you never know, I guess. I just think the addition of Ben Simmons, like he's a good defender, like great defender. 
that's going to make things tricky for Tatum. And that's when you enjoy having a second star like Jalen Brown. I just think this is also a different version of Joel Embiid, who's just going to feast on Tristan Thompson. And like, we think Tatum could go for like 45. Joel Embiid probably is going to go like for 40 and 20. Yes. You know, I no question asked. And the 20 is free throws. Um, (laughs) Like, yeah. The other thing that I'm curious about if they face the Sixers though, is that Every time they faced the Sixers this year, Kemba was still kind of limited. Like they never faced, like this new version of Kemba is actually kind of the key to unlocking the Sixers, like how to beat the Sixers defense because they give up all these shots that Kemba loves. You know, these like mid-range jumpers and all that. Philly's defense is just like, yeah, sure, take them. And Kemba will knock those down a lot, especially these days when he's playing really well. So I mean, like, again, if the Celtics get through, if they end up facing the Sixers, I mean, my pick might be like Sixers and six, whereas it would be like Nets in like four or five. I think the Celtics could take maybe a game or two off the Sixers, especially if Tatum has like a real superstar turn. So in essence, we're just talking semantics here. Like I don't, none of us expect the Celtics to get out of the first round, but I, I think it would look a little bit more competitive and maybe be a little bit more compelling and interesting and maybe a little bit more of a chance for the Celtics to build a little bit of goodwill going into the off season. If they took a few games off the Sixers, if they kind of made that series a little more competitive. If the Celtics beat the Sixers, they will be, I believe what Sam Sheehan calls Joker-fied, the Sixers. <laughs> like that is a nightmare scenario for them. I see a lot of Sixers fans be like, I want the Celtics, give me the Celtics. We're going to beat them this year. And I'm like, yes, like your team will almost certainly beat the Boston Celtics. Like I, I, I agree with you wholeheartedly. But if you lose, like, like that Joe is a nightmare for a six Like Ben Simmons, like just retires from the NBA and goes and like plays in Australia. I mean, like, I, I don't know what happens if they lose this year to this year's Celtics. It would be, it would be pretty incredible. For that uh, element alone, if you're a Celtics fan, you have to want Philly over Brooklyn. Like that alone, right? Oh, just because there's no fun scenario for facing the Nets. There's a funny, very funny scenario for facing the Sixers. 100%. And that as a fan is totally worth rooting for. In its simplest form for me, like I just think the Nets are a better team than the Sixers. I think the Sixers are a good team, but I think there's a lot more room for the Celtics to maybe steal a few games in there. I don't think there's much room at all for that against Brooklyn. We haven't seen Brooklyn fully healthy all that much. And I just think if they are fully healthy, they're a much better team than Philly. And again, it's semantics here, but I just, I think Philly's the better option if you had a choice. Well, like Brooklyn, they have three players that the Celtics can't do anything about. Right. Like, it's not even like the Celtics can like, like load up on this one guy and make the other guys beat you. They can't stop any of those three guys. They've never been able to stop any of those three guys. They don't have the personnel for any of those three guys. Like, I like- mean, and like also Joe Harris. <laughs> And they have those three guys. And then also like the second best shooter in the NBA with Clay Thompson hurt. Like <laughs> the reserves beat the Celtics too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like a, a fairly healthy Celtics team. Like Jalen wasn't playing that game, but Tatum sure was. And Tatum had a great game. I was looking up the stats from that one. Like Tatum played really well. And the rest of the Celtics were just like, had nothing for Landry Shamit. Like, had so, nothing yeah. for Mike James going at him. I mean, they I that was his first thing for Mike James. I think that was his first game in a, yeah. And he looked very good. I think he had at least 20. Yeah. He was, he was good. Yeah. So anyway. I mean, all of this is premature because the Celtics do need to advance first. I do think even if they lose Tuesday, I do not think the Celtics will drop two in a row. I do think they will make the playoffs, whether it's the seventh or the eighth seed. That is why I think this is actually a pretty good scenario for the Celtics, because if they do lose to the Wizards, like you just said, I have total confidence that they would beat the winner of the other playing game. I would be nervous, say they were playing Charlotte. Mm -hmm. Charlotte came out like they did that one game. They punched him in the mouth. 
and they couldn't crawl back in and they lose. And then they're facing Russell Westbrook and Bradley Beal in an elimination game. That would worry me much more. So I think to your point, this kind of serves them well, if they were to lay an egg out there, I think they'll have no problem, you know, fighting back against Charlotte or Indiana. If eggs were lane. If eggs were lane. Oh, <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> um, no, that's, that's actually a really good point. I will, I will see. I mean, I get, so the big debate that's like sweeping Celtics Twitter at the moment is whether you would rather see the Celtics make the playoffs or, or get a lottery pick, like knowing what we know now about this Celtics team and okay. Like, you know, you, you get into the playoffs, maybe you get some reps for your young guys, you know, maybe again, maybe you build a little bit of goodwill. Maybe it's just like, maybe it's just something to not have it hanging over your head all year that you didn't make the playoffs this season. Like what, like, wh- where do you guys see it? What, what do you think would be better for this team? Like get into the lottery or just kind of like avoid maybe the noisiest, uh, you know, of the potential off season noise. I mean, it would be a colossal failure if they didn't make the playoffs and this season already pretty much is a failure, but like that would just be, I think a little bit too much. And I just, like we've said on this podcast so many times, I just don't see them tanking on purpose. So that means that they like did that like organically, (laughs) which is even worse, I think. Yeah. From the organization standpoint, that's gotta be, that's worst case scenario, right? They don't make it out of the playing round. In my head, the best case scenario is go get a lottery pick. And I'm dead serious when I say that. I'm someone like Tom who is obsessed with the draft, who wants to just talk more about the draft. So that's a very selfish take. But Nicole's right. There's no way that like they're going to tank. And if they do lose, it was not on purpose. So that would be a colossal failure. And I mean, I guess you could make the argument that like changes, big changes are going to be happening this offseason, regardless if they make the first round and lose or if they get booted in the play-in game. So you might as well lose. So that way you can ease the change by getting a potentially like good player and not having to like go about acquiring somebody that could like have an impact. So I think from like a team building standpoint, it makes sense to lose. But I just, again, I don't see them doing that. So if they do lose, it's like you got beat. Like you literally got beat and that's not a good look. It's not a good look. I mean, I guess my thing with it is just what it, what do we think would be different if they did lose? Like if they lost both the games, like do you guys think that like Danny Ainge would make moves differently based on the fact that they, because I don't think so. I think that Danny has a plan for this off season, but I don't think that like whether or not like the Celtics win a game or two in the first round and then get bounced changes what he's planning to do any more or less than them, you know, falling apart now. It's not like them falling apart is going to come as a surprise to anyone. I don't I don't think it changes anything for the front office. I think if we continue operating under the impression that they're like trying a hundred percent, I think it's bad for Brad Stevens. And I don't think it bodes well for if he has another shitty season and like the leash is just getting shorter and shorter for him. And I think we can tell how badly they want to win based on how he's been coaching, like even the Cleveland game and today, like they're trying still. So he is the one that like bears the brunt of it if they get bounced. That is true. It, it's funny how like I don't put much of this season on. I mean, some of it certainly, but I don't put like you know as much on Brad Stevens as a lot of people do from this season. Like I just think that you know there's a lot of collective blame to go around. But I do think that like if they if they fell apart now and if everything went to pieces now, then it would like if they didn't even make the playoffs, then it would be kind of like an well. Oh. That does feel like it's a Brad thing. Like that does feel like it's, I mean, as much as we talk about like, okay, these are grown men, like they motivate themselves. Like it does feel like there would be a certain amount of just like quit in a team that just was like, 
I'm, I'm good. <laughs> Catch you guys next season. And justified or not, like we've said before too, the coach is generally the first to go when things go yeah. south. So it just wouldn't bode well for his future, in my opinion. Definitely wouldn't bode well for Brad. I agree on the Danny Ainge decision-making point. Like I, I do think he's got a plan per se, like a, a plan in place moving forward. Obviously you don't control like everything going into an off season. So it could go any number of ways, but he's going to make changes whether they lose in the first round or in the plan. And I don't think the magnitude of those changes would be reliant on if they lose in the, in the plan. You know what I mean? So I do agree with that, but I think the point about Brad Stevens having a worse stain on his record, if they don't make the playoffs, as opposed to if they lose in the first round, I think that is 100% accurate. Agreed. All right, guys. Well, I think unless you guys have anything else about, uh, specifically especially about Celtics versus Knicks um I think I'm I'm tapped out here so we can probably leave it there I would be remiss if I didn't ask Grenham about our Japanese king Rui Hachimura Rui's been playing quite well Rui is like the perp he'd be great on the Celtics honestly he's a he's a tremendous tremendous role player and he played I think it was their first game at TD Garden against the Celtics this year played very very well gave the Celtics quite a headache so I don't know. Rui's a nice little X factor in there. It's all I'm saying. Rui and Daniel Gafford. Those are my guys on the Wizards roster and Bradley Beal, of course, but I've come to terms with Bradley Beal not being in a Wizards uniform all that longer. So those are my guys. I like how you called Rui a nice little role player and he's in the starting lineup. But he is a nice role player and it is too bad that he was selected so high because a lot of people see him as almost a failure because he was a top 10 pick. He's actually a very solid NBA player. It's just too bad that people see him as a lottery player and think he has to have this, have this ultra high ceiling. So Rui is good. Good by me. As far as <laughs> some Wizards fans know, he's good by me. Also, do you guys want to make predictions? I, I got I got Celtics beating the Wizards, then probably losing in four or five to the Nets. I have the Celtics losing to the Wizards because the Wizards get off to a hot start and they can't crawl back in. It's very on brand. And then the Celtics beating the Hornets in the second game and getting in. I think I'm with Grenham. That's all contingent. That's just me like watching Bradley Beal today and being like, that guy's like dragging his leg around all over the court. If he's healthy on Tuesday, then I mean, yeah, I mean, I like, I don't, then I don't think at all, like it's at all unreasonable to think that the Celtics are going to be playing again on Thursday. I don't think the Wizards have anything close to the juice without a healthy Bradley Beal, even as good as Russell Westbrook has been. That's extremely fair. Like if Bradley Beal gives you one half, like he did on Sunday against Charlotte, he had 20-ish points in the second half. Very good. But yeah. if he if he only gives you one half, the Celtics aren't aren't going to lose that game, I don't think. Yeah. But but I don't know. I I think he might be able to muscle through it, and I, I do think the Wizards' offense will give the Celtics some headaches. So we'll see. We got spit technical and fingers crossed, Grenham. All right, <laughs> good pod, you guys. We'll leave it there. Thank you everybody for listening. Uh, you know where to find us if you have any questions, comments, or concerns. If you have a second and you want to leave us a five-star rating um, and or a review, we would really, really appreciate it. Um, So thank you to everybody who already has, and we will talk to you all later this week.